All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Catching Up with Chubbs. I'm your host, Colin Hubbard. We have my producer, Jake Cantrell, across the room. How we doing? And today we are joined by Lenny Gregory, head football coach at Collins Hill. Collins Hill just had a fantastic season last uh, this 2020 year. It fell just short in the state championship game. Um, has a lot of talent coming back, and I know Coach Gregory and his staff are very excited about what the future holds at Collins Hill. So how are you doing today, Coach? Doing good. Thanks for having me on this. No doubt. So I know you're from California, California originally, and you've kind of taken a winding path to get to where you're at now. You're not the typical coach that, you know, gets into coaching right away. So, you know, just kind of going back to that, how on earth did you kind of end up in the shoes that you're in now based off of where you started? Um, I guess you could just say maybe um, a little bit of fate. You know, um, just the way things uh, ended up. Um, when I got out of school, I was done playing football. I, I, I wanted to go in a different direction and uh, went in the business world and, and I ended up moving back to West Virginia and uh, was working for a hardwood lumber uh, manufacturer in um, West Virginia. And, and then um, just through travel and, you know, always going into Atlanta, I ended up moving to Atlanta so I could fly out of Atlanta. And, um, and then I got approached by a neighbor to help him with his, his, uh, his son's, uh, I think it was a 12 year old football team. And, um, you know, I, I was hesitant to do it. I didn't have time for it. And then come to find out that neighbor was having a, a retirement party for his father-in-law and his father-in-law was Homer Smith. Who's, uh, you know, he's the hall of fame yeah. football coach. And wow. What are the odds I, of that? I, I played against him when I was at BYU, he was at UCLA. And um, I think just meeting him and rehashing old memories uh, I ended up agreeing to coaching that team, and uh, the rest is history. I got I got back on the grass and realized how much I missed it, and then I just from there I ended up going on and coaching high school football as a as a um, um, a lay coach, you know, community coach, and then it just the more and more I was around it, the more and more I wanted to become a head football coach and, and just really make a, a change in my life. Right. So I know you tried to play some professional football after you left BYU and that didn't work out. How on earth did you end up in the lumber business, you know, clear across the other side of the country? Like, did you have any ties to West Virginia or was that just a complete whim? Yeah. My, my ex-wife, uh, was from West Virginia. Okay. That was home. And, um, her, her father, was um, in the land management business. And one of his good friends was looking for somebody to go into sales to market his hardwood lumber and all that. And so it just worked out for me to move back. And, and um, you know, I was I was open to it. And, and so moved back to her home state and, and got, got in the hardwood lumber business. I didn't even know anything about it. Yeah, I'm sure. Just living in California and then going to BYU, was it kind of a culture shock 
moving to West Virginia and it's completely different over there. I'm assuming it's an understatement. It was, um, it was an education being a West coast guy and, and then moving back to, to West Virginia and the, and the, you know, go from, you know, playing college football to, to, um, you know, pulling lumber off a green chain was, was something. And, but I tell you what, I got a, an incredible education. I probably learned more from the family that I worked for in West Virginia about business, uh, you know, relationships, uh, just just how to handle your business, you know, and 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 treat people. And uh, they had been around over a hundred years, and and I, I've got a really good education from that family, and and it's carried with me. So I was. Uh, just, you know, very blessed to, to have that opportunity to work for that company. No doubt. And what professional league was it that you tried to play in uh, right after you left BYU? So I played the CFL, okay. uh, Canadian Football League. And, um, you know, the crazy thing there um, is, and a lot of people don't remember this, but the CFL expanded into the United States and, I believe we had, there were six teams in the U.S. and they were trying to, you know, really grow that league. And they had a team in, in Sacramento, California. They had one in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, Baltimore had a team. And then I played for Las Vegas, the Las, Las Vegas Posse. Gotcha. And I was reading a little bit about it. It said it just – the whole contract situation, it just kind of wasn't what you thought it would be money-wise and kind of led to your decision to want to, you know, hang up the cleats? Yeah, there was a lot of things that were um, not told to me up front, and uh, I, I, I didn't realize, you know, I'd, I had made the team and was told I made the team and then found out that um, just making a team wasn't, didn't mean that, you know, I was going to, uh, get the same pay that was on my contract and, um, nobody had ever told me what that is, but so basically there was, there was three of us competing for two spots on the travel squad. And one of us would have to, uh, get paid, you know, if, so if I didn't make practice, uh, the travel squad, then I would automatically get practice, um, pay. And that pay was 300 bucks a, a week, you know, and I was married and had a one-year-old daughter and I just, you know, I had to make a decision for my, for me and my family that, that, you know, I had an education and a degree and there were some other opportunities out there and I, um, I decided to move on. Right. When you get over to West Virginia and you get another call from another team, right? Maybe like a year later. Um, I did. Was there some regret there that you didn't pursue it? And I know I read something about you losing a whole bunch of weight, and that kind of was the end of that. Yeah. Um, so I, I never, I never thought that I would that that I would get another opportunity. But um, the BC Lions had acquired my rights to pick me up, and um, I was I, at that time I was working in the, um, in the woods with, with the forester for the company and, um, just, you know, climbing mountains every day, just going up and down the hills. And uh, I had gotten down to about 225 pounds 
And um, I remember coming home and getting the call and um, I just, you know, I had to, I had to turn it down because I was not in, I was not in a position to stop what I was doing, you know, start putting on weight and go uh, train and, and in a matter of a couple, you know, a couple months, I couldn't do it. So I had to, I had to turn them down. Right. So growing up in California, Northern California, right? Kind of the, the Bay area. What, what was kind of your, your childhood like and growing up over there? Um, I mean, it's, you know, good, uh, beautiful, beautiful part of, uh, California. It's in the wine country, um, near about 20 minutes. We were about 20 minutes from the coast and, um, you know, spend a lot of time doing a lot of, um, fishing growing up and, and, um, you know, my, my dad was, was big into training, lifting weights. He was a mixed martial arts guy. And so, um, he really put a lot into me in, in training me to, you know, be a, be a football player. And I did track. I was, a, I was a shot putter growing up and, and, um, played basketball, wrestled. I mean, I just, I did everything. I was always loved uh, competing and, and being in, in sports. And that's kind of been, you know, it's kind of been what I've done all my life, you know? Right. Were you kind of a late bloomer with football or was football always in the mix growing up too for you? Well, a different, it was a different time. Um, you know, a lot different than now. Um, you know, back then my dad, my dad didn't want me to really play um, tackle football until I got into high school. And wow. his thought on that was that, you know, I, he didn't want me to get hurt or, you know, just, you know, prepare me. And so I had to wait until my sophomore year in high school to, to play. Wow. That's a long and, time. Uh, yeah, I, I remember growing up and telling people, you know, like I, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm going to go on and play college football and go play pro football. And my friends would say, you've never even played. How, how, how are you going to do that? You know, but, um, you know, I was doing all those other sports and, uh, you know, I was a good basketball player, was, did good in wrestling. And, and again, I was very explosive throwing a shot put. And, and, um, and I think all those things just translated when I started playing uh, football. When you got on the field, finally, was it just were you dominant from the jump, or was it kind of a learning curve just to get used to physical contact and and playing the position? So physically, I was I was a lot more physical than a lot of kids. You know, I was a big kid and and um, I was very strong. And but as far as technique and all that, I was I was very raw. My first year was I was very um, very raw as far as a, a player and lack the fundamentals as you could imagine and but then my junior year just kind of clicked and had really good really good high school coaches that um that really poured into me and and um ended up you know having a good junior and senior year and got you know scholarship to BYU how quick did that um recruiting pick up was it your junior year or did it not happen until your senior year no, my jun after my junior year, I, I got recruited uh, based on how I played my junior year, and 
and all that. Gotcha. Was it, how, how was that feeling just getting schools interested in you having, you know, told your friends before that, that you wanted to go play college football? Was it a really good feeling knowing that, Hey, this is most likely going to become a reality now that you started getting some, some schools looking at you. Yeah, it was exciting. You know, it's just like, you know, it's, it's neat when, when colleges are calling you and, and, uh, you know, wanting you to play for them and, and, you know, that was a, that was a, that was a neat experience, but at the same time, it was, you know, when it got down to trying to decide where I was going to go, it became very stressful because I knew, you know, where I decided to go was going to change the course of my life, you know? No doubt. So was BYU always your first option or were there other schools that you strongly considered? Not at all. Um, really, I was, I had decided I was going to go to Oregon. I was committed to Oregon. Okay. And, um, I mean, I was done. I was, you know, I'd want, I wanted to go to Oregon. Uh, I liked them when I was, when I was a kid, just watching them. And, um, you know, I went, I went to Eugene, Oregon, University of Oregon. When I was in eighth grade, I competed in an international uh, track meet there and fell in love with the school there. Just, you know, ended up, I ended up winning that event and, I broke a national record there and I just had a, I had a great experience there. And I, I, you know, I said, man, if I ever get a chance, I want to go to school here. Um, and, um, a guy named Bob Toledo was, was the offensive coordinator who he ended, ended up, uh, you know, had a great career as a head coach, as head coach UCLA. Uh, anyway, he really built a, a strong relationship with me. And I was, I was done. I was going to Oregon and he called me up about a couple of weeks before signing day and said that he had taken the job with Texas A&M and he wasn't going to be there. And uh, I don't know why that changed things for me, but it, it made me kind of rethink some things and BYU, my principal, uh, was a, was a BYU graduate his son both I think both his boys played football at BYU and um he came to me and said hey is BYU even talking to you to you and I said no well that night uh one of the coaches called me from BYU and said I don't know how we missed you blah 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 but you know we know you're committed to Oregon but we'd love to just have you out. We take everybody snowmobiling, you know, and you know, tell me how fun it would be. And I was like, man, I've never been snowmobiling. So I, I said, well, what's there to lose, you know? And, and when I went there, I had no intentions of switching my commitment, but um, when I got a chance to meet uh, the guys, the players, um, coach Edwards and um, just the, the facilities and I, I realized that, you know, Oregon was at that time, Oregon's different then than it is now, right? They were very middle of the road, Pac-10 pack, pack team. And um, um, BYU had just come off, uh, you know, 1984, winning a national championship. And Ty Detmer was a freshman. Okay. So the, the buzz on my recruiting trip was, you know, 
we're going to win a national championship. Right. We're building this thing back to win a national championship. That's all they talked about was winning a national championship. And you look at the national championship trophy and I'm you know, just hearing the way the culture was there. I was like, you know, I, I want to be, a, I want to be here. I want to be part of this winning culture. You know, I don't want to go somewhere and, you know, be, you know, six and five or I don't want to be average. I want to be, you know, I want to be with these winners. And um, that's what, that's what ended up making me make a switch and ended up committing. And that was it. With the way recruiting works today, you know, with all the social media and all that chaos, how different was it back then in, in the process? Was it just strictly you would get a phone call to your house and it would be a college coach and that was pretty much the only way you could ever talk to anybody? There was no social media or internet where you could just kind of look up all that stuff. No, not at all. I mean, the big thing was, you know, getting letters, you know, back then you would, you would get letters and, you know, the first letter you got was maybe a questionnaire and, you know, everybody got those. And then you started getting more personal letters being, you know, and then those letters started getting, you know, more and more, um, you know, as they, as they kept coming, you started realizing that they were serious and then you started getting the phone calls and then it was the visits and home visits. And that's when you knew things were um, getting serious, you know, when you got to BYU and, and, you know, got to talking with coach Edwards and whatnot and learning all about him. Um, how awesome was an experience to play for a coach like that with that, that, that prestigious level? You know, I don't know that I appreciate it. Um, appreciated it then the way I do now. Um, it didn't take me very long to figure out when I left there just how much of an impact he had. Um, I took a lot of things for granted, like most young young men do. You know, you don't realize how good you have it until you've removed yourself from, from there. And, you know, as I look at um, the way college um, coaching has – gone now and I look at how they recruit I look at what how the staffs move around nobody really stays and I even think about high school football and how much high school coaches move and you know there's no loyalty and then I think back the way the program was at BYU with Lavelle Edwards how how family oriented it was and you know he was there for I mean, 40 years and um, you know, its secretary was there for almost all that time and all the people in the front office were there and, you know, they, they, they raised their families up there. Nobody left. Um, it just, you know, that his door was always open. It wasn't, it wasn't like he was this untouchable guy up in the, you know, in the top, you know, 21st floor guy. I mean, you walked into the football office and there was a secretary and the next door over was Coach Edwards' office, and his door was always open. And his policy was, if my door is open, you're welcome to knock and come in anytime. And that was like literally. Um, and if you needed to make an appointment, you know, you just made an appointment. You go and see him. I mean, he was he was really accessible and 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 was um, open and. Um, he was an incredible, incredible guy. And was, you know, we knew 
playing for him. And I knew as a young, young player, I knew that, um, you know, what he was doing and what he said was very powerful. You know, you, you, I mean, if he, if he talked to you, it was, he had your attention right now. No doubt. Um, Coach, uh, when when you say BYU, a lot of people that from outside the program, the first thing they think of is like the religion aspect, you know, of it being a Mormon college. What what was the culture of the the university like? I mean, is there more to it than just you know what people from outside probably think? Uh, it's very strict. It's 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 extremely. It was extremely tough for me because I wasn't I wasn't. Um, Mormon and um, so that was a culture shock and you know you have the BYU football family and, and, and that culture and then you had the university um, and they were they were very different you know it was very different and so that part of it was that part of it was tough being a non-Mormon going to a Mormon school where you know, just a small percentage of non-Mormons, I think maybe two, three percent of the whole university were non-Mormons. So wow. you, you weren't going to find a non-Mormon in, you know, in your math class or, um, you know, whatever. It wasn't going to happen unless it was a athlete. And so you really, you know, you really drew close to your teammates. And um, but, you know, it's a big place. So you know, you're not really socializing with, with too many people other than those football players anyway. You spoke about, you know, getting them taking out snowmobiling and whatnot and it being in Utah, there's a lot of snow out there. Was it a fun place to be around or did the snow get real old real quick? No, no, there's a lot of outdoor, uh, I'd say Utah might be one of the top places in the country for outdoor, uh, activities like, you know, there's just some really cool things that I never did growing up, you know, um, you know, it just, it was, it was, it was cool. So we got to do a lot of, a lot of cool things and, um, you know, um, met a lot of great people. So a lot of great people out there. And, uh, my experience was, was very positive. Yeah. I guess that's the, the same way most people feel that didn't grow up with a lot of snow. You get to a place that has a lot of snow, you love it. But for those people that have to grow up with it their whole life, they're like, nah, I don't really care about this anymore. <laughs> but, Coach, so I, I just threw your name into YouTube, uh, not, I think last night or the night before, and I, I saw a random video of you being, I think it was for a cover photo shoot, and you're busting through some fake brick wall with some photographer, man. What was that all about? <laughs> um, it was a, a commercial for... Uh, one of the local news station and the picture was um was for the centerfold of one of the football games home games that we had so just something that they did and and they picked me to do that and and write a story about me and and you know my life and everything i guess that goes without saying that you had to have you know some pretty good success while you're at byu to, to get any notoriety like that um, I know you started a ton of games while you were at BYU. So just talk about your experience playing on the field and and how good of a player do you feel like you, you came to be by the time your, your playing days were over there at BYU? 
Well, I was, uh, you know, I started three years um, there. I started 39 straight games. I didn't miss a single start wow. once I took over. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm a very passionate um, guy. I, I love, I love football. I love to compete. I wouldn't miss a practice. I wouldn't miss a game for nothing. I mean, I played a lot of games that, that I was hurt. Um, I mean, if, if I had to cut off a pinky, I would have played, you know, I mean, it did, it did not, you were not going to keep me out of, out of, out of playing. And so, um, you know, and I, I, um, I had success there. I was all conference, all, all three years. And um, I was a defense alignment of the year at BYU all three years. So I had some good guys around me and I, you know, I had some really, really good coaches that, that, um, you know, really impacted my life. I feel like nothing embodies the phrase, I'm a nose guard, like, I'm willing to cut off a finger or lose part of my body to continue playing football. Like, I, I think that just, that, that just is kind of like the embodiment of the whole thing. Yeah. I just, my, you know, my mindset, I've always been that way. You know, I just, I don't miss and I, I, I want to compete and I want to play. And you know, it was kind of like this year, you know, I, I was willing to do anything to make this football season happen, you know, whatever, they wanted me to do. I was going to do it, you know, no doubt. along with a lot of people. So did you have NFL aspirations or what do you feel like was the, the was there anything holding you back? I know obviously it didn't happen that way. So what do you feel like kind of held you back from having an NFL career? Oh, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors when you start looking at that. Um, I would say there were some, there were some things that I wish I wish I would have had a little better um, um, guidance, maybe somebody talking to me a little more. I was, um, you know, as passionate as I am, right? Uh, I, I let my emotions get to me a few too many times when I was a player. And, you know, I was a little bit of a hothead and, and um, I think I, I said some things that I would like to have back and I wish I would have never said. And um, I think those things hurt me when it came to the NFL draft. And I think, you know, I think my junior year at BYU, that was my best year that I had. And I, I had a lot of momentum going into my senior year. I was preseason All-American, preseason Outland Trophy candidate. And um, I think I, I got too comfortable with all that stuff. I got too caught up into all the attention I was getting, and I lost the focus and the hunger, the eye of the tiger, if you will, of, of training and, you know, tuning all that stuff out. And I, and I, I just I let, I let those, those things became a distraction, just like they can be a distraction for any player. Right. You know, you see it today, you know, kid comes out and he's a junior and he does unbelievable and, you know, gets all this attention. Then the senior year doesn't play as good, you know, and that, that kind of happened to me. And, and um, if I have any regrets, I would say that, you know, I regret the way that I handled my preparation 
and my mindset my senior year. You know, and if you look at my my production as a player, you know, I had less I had less sacks my senior year than I did my junior year. And I just I think that, you know, if I was evaluating myself, I would say, you know, I, I didn't grind it as hard as I should have, you know. And I probably you know, I think I put on I put on like 10 pounds my senior year and I did it on purpose because the NFL wanted to see me play a little bigger. But in all reality, I should have just been me and just played and let it happen, you know. And I think the extra extra 10 pounds slowed me down just a little bit where my junior year I'd get the sack. My senior year I was, you know, right there. So, gotcha. you know. So I know you had a game, a two-interception game, playing nose guard. Yeah. Man, talk, yeah me, my, talk me through that, man. How, how on earth does a nose guard wind up with two picks in one game? Lucky. <laughs> lucky. Um, my It was my sophomore year. We were playing Utah, which is our rival. And um, it was right before – it was right before the halftime, right before half. And, you know, as a D lineman, I mean, you recognize screen and, you you know, you talk to get your hands up. And um, so I saw it. It was a screen. I jumped up, got my hands up, and quarterback slipped out of his hand and landed right in, right, right in my stomach. So picked it off. And, and then the next one, it was – I remember we were running a – we were running a little twist, and I think – I think that, you know, it's kind of the same thing and quarterback pumped it and it got out of his hand and hit the offensive lineman right on his shoulder pad. And I just scooped it right off. Wow. So, yeah, there's nothing, nothing impressive, but, but, you know, it was just one of those days got lucky. Yeah. I know you, you BYU guys aren't, aren't big fans of Utah. Does this, does this offend you any that I got a little bit of red on today? <laughs> I don't like red. No. Yeah, I read that somewhere that you don't have any red in your wardrobe. I guess it's fortunate that uh, your stops as a head coach or, or assistant coach that there's been no red in any of those schools. Yeah, we, um, you know, we got a thing around here, you know, that the one color that is not allowed in the weight room is red. You know, we get a kid show up, he's got red on. We kick him out of the weight room and find something for him to wear, but we won't let him. <laughs> Can't, can't come in the weight room with red on. That's funny. That's awesome. I mean, so so do you, like, seriously, you know, say you were to, to leave where you're at now? I mean, and, and maybe Archer is calling or, or Jefferson or one of these schools. I mean, are, are, is that a deal breaker for you as, like, a career destination? No, I'm not. I'm not. You know, it's just it's just something funny that, um, that we say around here. Just, you know, just try to stay away from red, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Man. No doubt. So uh, about what time was it around your senior year where it was the whole last name thing where your, your, your biological dad came back into your life, I guess. Well, talk me through a little bit about how that all, all transpired. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 I did not know um, about my biological father and um, uh, I ended up, you know, my mom, ended up telling me about, um, you know, him and this and that. And so, you know, I wanted to meet him and I wanted to, you know, I just, I, I was never told. And so that was a, 
that was an interesting time in my life finding out that uh, my dad who raised me was was not my biological father you know um, I'm very grateful though that um, you know the guy that raised me uh, you know he I'm glad that that was my dad that raised me and um, but I got a chance to meet my biological father and learn about you know my my heritage and and uh, just some things about me that um, you know, I think everybody would want to know. So, um, you know, it was a, it was a tough deal. I, you know, I thought about it, but I was the, uh, come to find out I was the last in the family line. I was the last male Gregory. And I just thought I kind of owe it to the family, um, to carry the name on. And uh, I ended up changing my name because of that reason. At what point did, did all this happen? Were you still at BYU when all this went down? I was. I found out after my junior year. Gotcha. At what point did you start using the last name, Gregory? Was that not until after you you left BYU? Yeah, I waited, yeah, I waited until I, was, I left um, BYU. Was there any reason behind that? Or did you just feel like you wanted to keep Gomes as, as your last name on, on your jersey or – uh, what what yeah. into that decision? I wanted to honor my dad who raised me and and keep his last name on my jersey. Gotcha. Well, what was it like meeting that you know that side of the family that you had never known about? Um, did he have? In, did your dad have any sisters or uh, other brothers that you know have become part of your family now? Yeah, I've, I I have um, two aunts. They live out in Seattle, and I have a. Um, I have a half sister that lives in Oregon. So, um, that was, it was neat to, you know, just to see that side of the family and learn about, um, you know, where, where my roots are. Right. So this is a super random question. It popped in my head last night when I was about to go to sleep, have no idea how it happened, but, um, the name Johnny Gomes, the MLB player popped into my head. I'm like, I wonder if, if, if Coach Gregory is related to him, I know that guy, he's a Northern California guy too. Is there any relation there or is it just a coincidence? I think he is related somewhere, but it'd be distant, you know. He's from Petaluma, which is not that far from Santa Rosa. It's right. a couple towns away, um, but nothing nothing close. I don't know him. Gotcha. So – I know for a period you were the legal guardian of Robert Kimdichie when you were at Grayson. Um, you know, did your past of your, your experience with your father and, and getting to know him and then, you know, Coach Lavelle and what he taught taught you, did all that kind of tie into, you know, wanting to help out Robert when I know his mom was in Africa and his dad was, um, you know, had a really busy work schedule. Did all of that just kind of tie in and, and make you want to, you know, step in and, and fill that role for um, Robert during that time? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Robert was a man, he was a great kid and, you know, uh, got a chance to know him when he was a ninth grader. And, and um, you know, it's just one of those things where, uh, you know, it just kind of, I don't know in my life if, you know, if that um, ever happens again. It's just, it was a weird, uh, situation where 
you know, his mom was living out in, in you know, out of, out of the country. And, you know, his dad was, was working long hours and you know, I invited him over for uh, Thanksgiving and just to make sure he had a meal. And of course, you know, I'm his D line coach. So I want to make sure he's eating good. And so, you know, right. he just, you know, he'd, he'd come to school and, you know, he's like, I'm hungry. I didn't eat, you know, and, you know, I'm getting him food and making sure he's got food. And then it turned into, you know, coming over and, and, uh, eating, you know, some, some home cooked food and, and, um, and then his dad was, was going back to Africa and Robert needed a place to stay. And so, you know, he stayed with us and, and, um, so that's kind of how it all worked out. And, and I was happy to, to, to be part of his life and help him out. And, um, yeah. And, and, and coach, I mean, every coach says, you know, Oh, I, I love my players and all this stuff. Like, I mean, that's just part of, you know, being a coach, I think. Um, but I mean, that, that's a whole new level. I think there where, where you're, you know, you're loving your player enough to, I mean, welcome him into your house and everything. Like what went into that decision? I mean, was that hard, you know, when you have your own family and to kind of bring them in like that and everything? Like, I mean, like what, what was that like on your end? Uh, you know, it was, it, it was just the right thing to do at the, at the time. And, and, um, um, you know, again, I mean, Robert was, um, you know, I had three kids and they all loved Robert and, and, um, you know, it's just, you just, a seemed like a great person to have in our, in our house and, and to help them out, you know? And I just, I really think in the way I was raised that, you know, just, you know, the family was always, we were always helping people out and and um it's kind of what we did you know it's always there's always an extra uh chair at the dinner table and my dad would always invite you know uh kids over and and i just just the way we were right so you mentioned briefly before how you ended up in georgia with you know the whole lumber business and whatnot at what point did you get out of lumber business and what what went into that decision um, two thousand after the two thousand and six football season, um, I, you know, I, I just had a, it was just a point in my life. I think I was 30, 34, 35 years old, and I was I was running a business and being a you know a community coach, and I. I just, I was at a point where I, I said, you know, I, I want to be a head football coach. I want to be a defensive coordinator. And I realized that that was never going to happen if I was a community coach. But if I really wanted to do this, I needed to get out of, get out of the lumber business and um, go back to school and, and get into teaching full time. And so I did that. I, I made a life decision and, and I felt like if I didn't do it at that time, I was never going to do it. And I didn't, I didn't want to live with that regret of looking back on my life and say, man, I wish I would have done this. This is really what I needed to do, you know? And so I made a commitment and, and, uh, went back and got my master's degree in education and, and, um, went all in. 
Yeah, I mean, being in your mid thirties and making a huge decision like that, um, you know that that you know that obviously affects you and your family. So, how big did you lean on your family at that period to, um, you know, want to want to make this decision and, and, like you said, just you know go full steam ahead and, and put everything you had into it and making this switch to teaching. No, it was it was good. It was a uh, it was the right thing to do, and uh, my kids were already, you know. Uh, always around practices, uh, games. Um, they were playing football, and I was helping coaching, you know, them. And so it was, um, it was, it, it, it just felt like the right thing to do. And just had to make a different, you know, it was a, it was a financially, it was a life change. We had to make some changes, you know, and live a little differently. But I could tell you that from a happiness standpoint and, and, um, got a lot of stress from, from, from that world and got to see my kids a lot more. Gotcha. So at what point was your like legit first coaching job in high school where you weren't, where you're no longer a community coach? What school was that? Chattahoochee 2007, 2007. And that was my first year of being a teacher and coach. Gotcha. So you that that's pretty close to your your Grayson days. Was that how long? Was that only a season you were there, or before you? Entered I was Grayson? there one one year. I was at Chattahoochee one year as a teacher, and then the next year I took the job at Grayson, two thousand eight. Did you have connections with Grayson? How did the how did you end up on that coaching staff? Um, it was it was bizarre. Um, we played them in the first round of the playoffs and, uh, we got beat, I think it was 34 to nothing. And I remember sitting over there going, man, this, the, the, just everything about it, the, the atmosphere, the, uh, the way their kids played, I was just so impressed with what coach Khan was doing over there. And, um, they had an opening for a job. And it was a it was a linebacker job, and I was told, you know, because I wanted to be a DC first, right? Right. And I was told by the guy I was working with that I needed to coach other positions, you know, not just D line. I needed to learn um, and coach some other positions so that that would pre better prepare me to be a defensive coordinator, and just so happened Grayson had a, a linebacker spot open and they were looking for a guy and, and, uh, I applied and, and I uh, felt like that was a great opportunity for me to go get on another staff and coach a different position. And, um, you know, that, so that's, I, you know, I took the job and the crazy story on that, right. Is, I was a week away from spring practice and the guy that was the defensive line coach at Grayson had a heart attack and died. Okay. Wow. And I'm driving, I'm driving to Grayson to, you know, we're one week away from, from the first practice with them. And, you know, I walk in I, and I knew, I knew what was going to happen. I walk in I, and coach Khan said, Hey coach, I need to, I need to talk with you. And I knew exactly. And I said, I know, I know why you want to talk with me. 
you want me to coach the defensive line? He goes, yeah. So I thought, man, I just made a change, and now it looks like a lateral change, right? But I just – I had to have faith that, you know, that God was putting me in in a position that was meant to be. And, uh, man, was I right by having, having that faith. I ended up, you know, coaching at Grayson and the defensive line – that I was able to coach there uh, really changed my career. Changed, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of people will say, man, what a great D-line coach and this and that, but man, you got to have players. And no and boy and boy, did I have players, you know, and, and made me look like a really good football coach, you know. Yeah, you spoke Robert Kandichi. I mean, you get the Grayson and you get to coach him and and uh, this whole whole way up. So just the way, you know, like I said, you know, I said it earlier, I think there's a lot of fate in, in, in life, you know, and, um, you know, I believe in, I believe in prayer and I believe in, in, in God. And, and I've done a lot of, a lot of that. And, and, you know, those are, those were blessings in my life. So you said you want to be a defensive coordinator and, you know, kind of start moving up the ladder. But you get to Grayson and you have to, you don't get to the DC job for a few years. So was that tough having to wait another what four or five years before you got there, or with all the success that Grayson was having and you know getting your, your coach your son and you know winning a state championship in the middle of that, um, did all of that just not matter at that point? And you just were kind of waiting your turn to hopefully get an opportunity to be a defensive coordinator. When I when I got to Grayson, I realized that it was that I had landed somewhere really special. I, I, I realized that like immediately. And I just told myself that I was going to be patient and I'm going to sit back and I'm going to learn because we had some phenomenal coaches and, um, you know, defensive coordinator that I was working under there, sharp guy that, that really taught me a lot about, about defense and, and uh, working for Coach Khan and just the way that he ran that whole program, it was an education. And uh, I just – I was a sponge, man. I just soaked it up and I, I got – just rolled my sleeves up and went to work and I never questioned it. Um, and it just – you know, the, the rest is history. I mean, everything from that decision of going and taking that job um, getting moved to D line and not, I never questioned it. I never had a bad attitude about it. I just, I knew that it was meant to be. And I, I just took it as a great learning experience. And like I said, I was a sponge. I just soaked up everything that coach Khan was doing in that program. I knew that someday I was going to be a defense coordinator and I knew that I'd be a head coach at some point. And I was at the, best place that God could have put me at. And that was with Mickey Kahn at Grayson. And uh, I knew that that was going to form my whole career and how I was going to run a program. So was it 2013 that you finally got an opportunity to be the DC at Grayson? Yes. So what was that experience like and in, in getting, I guess, that that sit down with a coach or however it worked out to say, hey, we, we want you to be the defensive coordinator? Yeah, so Coach Andrews, Robert Andrews, was D.C. 
and he left um, to take a head coaching job. And, and um, you know, Coach Coach Khan, um, he was loyal to me and said, you know, it's your turn. So right. um, he moved me into that spot. And, you know, that was um, – it was a tough year to be – to be a defensive coordinator at Grayson of all the years that if you go back and look at it the year before um, we graduated, I want to say 40, maybe 42 seniors. It was that Robert's class. It was, I mean, it was unbelievable class. And, um, and so my first year I was either starting a sophomore or a kid that was a senior who had waited all along and never played. And those are two bad combinations in seven, eight football, no doubt about you know? It. And, and so, you know, we, we fought, we scratched, we, we did what we could ended up going four and six that year. And, um, you know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about, how I wanted to run a defense. Um, un- unfortunately, we didn't make the playoffs. And, um, you know, all the things that we did good were, were great. And the things that, that I did bad, we, we had to fix those things and then turned it back around in 2014 and ended up finishing with the number one defense in the state in 14. Right. Yeah, I don't know how many people knew how dominant Grayson was back then. I don't know, I don't know if you remember, Jake, but – the whole Brookwood, where you at music video came out that the time that you were there. And that was, that was the talk of the town. I went to, I didn't even go to school in Gwinnett County. I grew up in Gwinnett, but I went to Jackson County up in Jackson, uh, up in Jefferson. And we had that video playing in our classroom <laughs> and it was just insane. How, how, like you said, that, that senior class with Kim Dietschy was unbelievable, but coach. So you spend two years there, you're the DC, and then you finally get an opportunity to be a head coach. Talk me through, that decision to, you know, putting your name in the hat and then them actually choosing you to be their next head coach. Yeah. Um, you know, again, another, another learning experience and, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a guy that I, I look forward to challenges, you know, and, um, going from being the defense coordinator at Grayson, to being a head football coach at Centennial High School, um, you know, I thought, I thought I had it all figured out. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to take this formula and I'm going to, I'm going to plug it in and and voila, it's going to work. You know, and and it doesn't, it does not work like that. And I learned that very quickly that that um, that Centennial was, they were a long way away, and there was a lot of there was a lot of things that needed to get fixed. Um, but I poured a lot into that program and, um, you know, quickly, quickly turned, turned that program from a program that was losing, not going to the playoffs. And by my second year, you know, we were, we were being recognized team of the week and, and, um, ended up, uh, going eight and two in regular season and hosting a home playoff game. And, and, um, you know, so there, there was a, that was an awesome, awesome time. Year one was, was, was rough. 
in year two, was able to really flip it. The kids bought in, community bought in. And um, I really wasn't looking to leave there, you know. I, I was I was really happy where I was and what we were doing. And I really didn't see a, a need to I, – I never put any resumes out there. So how did that happen? I mean, I, I think I read a quote somewhere that um, you wanted to play the best of the best in the state. And, you know, depending on if anybody wants to admit it or not, that's probably Gwinnett County just with how deep it is. So was that – was the competition level and just getting to play the best of the best on a nightly basis, was that – did that weigh on your decision to to want to go to Collins Hill? Or, or how did that process work where you're in a really good spot in Centennial, you're having success, you're just coming off a really good year, and – and now you're you're making the decision to take one over to Collins Hill. Uh, it was it was kind of a, a, a interesting um, chain of events, you know. I was down. I got asked to go to back down and coach in the Under Armour All American game, um, and that was my third. That was my third time getting asked to do that. And um, so when I was down there, you know, just just being around some of those kids and I was like, man, that's, um, you know, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have those type of kids at Centennial. And um, it was fun. It was fun coaching that high level. And I remember telling my wife, I'm like, man, this kind of reminds me of when I was at Grayson and kind of miss I miss that 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 high level football and um it was shortly after that I got back home and I'm driving into work and I get a phone call and it's the athletic director at Collins Hill and I really didn't realize the job was even open and um you know they my name was on a a, a list of potential candidates and you know, and I said, well, you know, I can be honest with you. I'm happy where I'm at. And um, before I apply or, you know, we even talk about this, I would just want to come in and sit down and just talk off the record. And they agreed to that. I went in and, and I sat down with Principal Wing and, um, you know, Coach Grantham. And I, I was so impressed number one with with uh, principal wing and you know a couple years later she's now you know national principal of the year so I you know I knew right then that this was a you know s- strong leader uh, great principal had a vision you know in my my vision you know I, w- I want to take a team and I want to you build a, I want to build a national brand. I want to build a state championship program. And, um, you know, we just got talking and it, it was like, you know, we were on the same, um, level of thinking and I just, and then I, you know, really looking at the facilities that, that are in Gwinnett County that football programs have that other counties don't have and ability to coach, to, to hire, coaches uh, that's big you know when I was at Centennial I always struggled to have a to get teaching spots and to bring in the right staff and um, and a lot of coaches don't want to go 
they don't want to just take a job, you know, and go to a, um, another school that's, but, you know, when you get a, a brand like Collins Hill, that, that now that's attractive to, to coaches. So I knew that I was going to have better facilities. I was going to have the support of the administration and I'd be able to get in some really good coaches and, and really come in here and coach some talented kids. And, um, you know, we just, when it all, we put everything down on, on paper, it was a no brainer. And, and, um, um, I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, extremely blessed that I had this opportunity and I'm so glad that I, that I took this job. You know, a lot of coaches, you know, talk about the buzzword, uh, culture change. You know, we talked to coach Hoff last week about that and him taking a new job and, you know, starting a program that hasn't been very successful, you know, over its career. But with Collins Hill, you have a coach like Kevin Reach, who you replaced, who had a ton of success at Collins Hill, what well, went to the quarterfinals a couple of different times. I know they didn't have a ton of success that the year, his last year there, right before you took over. So did you feel like there needed to be a culture change or were there just minor adjustments that you came in there and made and have just kept that, that train running since? No, there's, there's been a, a culture change here and, you know, coach reach did a good job here. It's, you know, anytime, anytime you go from, um, you know, you get a new coach or, you know, you've got to look at, you know, what 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 my culture values are and what, you know, this program is. You got to get get everybody to 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 get on board with it. You know, um, one of the things that I have found now taking over two programs is when you go in somewhere. You know, number one, if you don't have that administrative support, it'll never work. Yes, yeah, never. Okay. The, the other thing that you find when you go into a program is is the community gets set in their ways, whether it was good, bad, whatever. Um, it's, you know, the, the saying, well, we've never done that here before. You know, right. you hear that a lot, right? Well, here at Collins Hill, this is how we do it. And then you got to you got to explain to them, well, no, we're now doing it this way. Right. So. Yeah, there's been a lot of things that have been changed here. Um, there's there's been some really cool things that we've kept the traditions, but um, as far as our our culture, the way that this program is now, um, it is night and day right now compared to where it was in 2017. Yeah, when you get there and you go what six and five that first year, uh, made the playoffs. You made the playoffs all four years since you've been there. Um, you know, how much work went into that first e first season and even leading into that second season just to, like you said, just kind of um, implement what you wanted to implement and get your coaching staff in there and, and start changing this program for the better. See all this gray in my beard? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> About five years of my life um, is a lot. It's a lot of work. And, you know, when you go into a program, you, you, you know, it's not like um, – you're in a college job where you can just hire guys, you know, you gotta get, right. you gotta, you gotta get teaching spots and your first year, your first year, uh, you're not going to get all the guys you want. You're going to have to keep some of the old staff. Um, you know, you can't fix everything in one year. It's, and so what that means is that you as the head coach 
have got to do the majority of the work. There's, you can't delegate to people that don't know what your program looks like. Right. Right. So you gotta, you gotta do everything. I had to run the weight room. You know, you gotta, you gotta run the defense. You gotta, you gotta, you know, teach your coaches about how to practice. Uh, this is how we practice. This is how we, um, break down film. This is how we, um, this is how we invest in our youth program. This is, um, this is how we fundraise. I mean, there's just so much and, and it all falls on you in that first year. So it takes time to, to develop a coaching staff, to bring in the right guys, figure out who, who needs to stay and who needs to go and, and, uh, and the kids, you know, there's a lot of kids that are excited about, you know, when a new coach comes, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm coming down and play football, you know. And not everybody can make it, right? I mean, I'm a big believer that we're going to be fundamentally right. We're going to be a team of high character. We're going we're gonna to show up. We're not going to miss practice. And all those things – you know, everybody's interested in that, right? But how much how are they committed to that, right? Because there's a big difference between being interested and committed. That goes with the kids, that goes with the coaching staff, and that goes with the community, with your booster club members, you know? Um, we, we say around here, you know, uh, things aren't optional, right? We don't have optional weight training. You know, it's you, you've got to be all in, okay? And, and so, yeah, there's been a lot done here. Right. So that 2019 season, remember, I, I wrote Collins Hill's preview article for the Gwinnett Daily, Gwinnett Daily for this 2020 season. And I know at the time, you didn't know if you were going to have Travis Hunter not coming back. And I wish I could have talked to you uh, two or three weeks after that. So could have had a could have wrote Collins Hill's fan base a little bit better article, not knowing about Travis Hunter and whatnot. But what changed this past season? I know you obviously have a really talented quarterback uh, and Sam who came back for a second year um, and then having such a dynamic player like Travis playing both sides of the ball and just doing ridiculous things on a football field. I know those two guys were a huge part of the success, but I know there was a lot of guys on that defense that you had to replace from the 2019 season and came in what you had the co-defensive player of the year, the Gwinnett Daily Post named so what changed and, and how fun was this past season, you know, um, making it all the way to a state championship game? Yeah, it's what we did this year started in 2017, right? And, um, you know, if we were to look at kind of the process that, that we've gone through as a program, you, know, you come in that first year and you – you, you set the standards and you, you know, you start the process, right? This is, you got to trust it because everybody's, you know, year one, everybody's, their, their feet are on the brakes, you know, they don't want to go full speed, right? They don't even know what full speed is. And, um, and so you're, you're getting them to, to, to trust and year two, right? Now that, now that, you know, I just, we just showed you that uh, we made the playoffs and, and we're relevant again as a program, right? That we can win here at Collins Hill. Now you gotta, now you gotta, now you gotta make them believe. And you gotta, you gotta get them in front of competition. 
that, you know, we're, you know, when you, you start throwing names out like Marietta, McKeetron, Brookwood, um, you know, Walton, and we're going to go play these guys, you know, set that, set that tone of we're not, we're not, we're not average Joe Collins Hill. We, we got to change our mindset, you know? And so year two, we, we, we put, we put them to the test and everybody thought it was crazy. You know, what are you doing? You know, you're Collins Hill. Why are you playing these teams? Because we're going to be an elite program, right? We're going to make these kids believe that they can play and compete against anybody. Year three, they, you know, that was 2019. They saw that. They saw that, you know what? You know, we played Marietta. We played McKeetron. We competed with them. We went into the game thinking we were going to lose. But after looking back on it, we could have we could have done way better had we just had that mindset, right? And so then we really got them to, to believe in, in the whole um, – thing is is living it right we live it and and so our kids man they 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 flipped it so 2019 was a flip we had gotten rid of all the guys that 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 were negative um, energy guys uh lack of effort guys um not committed guys so we had we had weeded that out and we had guys all you know in everybody was all in and really had a great year against a really tough schedule. And that really got, I mean, our kids after 2019, they knew that, hey, you know, I mean, we, we, could, we could very easily win a state championship. We competed with Marietta. We, we're in the fourth quarter. It's a ball game. Right. You know, they won it all. They won the whole thing. Went and. Uh, played in the in the national the Geico Bowl or whatever and won that, and we were we probably played as good against them as anybody did in the state, you know, and um, so our kids knew and, and I knew I knew we I knew we were uh, aligned right as a program after nineteen, and I knew we were going to be extremely competitive and. Um, you know, go into 19, I think the coaching staff, the improvements that, that we were able to make going into uh, this season mm-hmm. and just uh, some key additions that we added uh, were instrumental to our success. Mm-hmm. I think our kids going from being really good sophomores to elite juniors, you know, that matters. And, and that difference in just a year really helped our kids and the success of this season. Right. You mentioned your coaching staff. The guy that jumps out to me is uh, Todd Wofford, who was at Central Gwinnett, head coach, uh, had a ton of success there. I remember covering two or three of their games. Uh, I remember when they beat uh, Walton in the playoffs. Uh, well, this probably was like 2015, huge upset. So I've always liked him. I've always thought he was a good coach. So how huge of an addition was that to get him on your staff and, and getting his expertise, you know, around your guys Uh, unbelievable unbelievable addition and um you know anytime you can bring in uh, coaches that have had head coaching experience have had success 
um, you know, it just adds value to our preparation. Absolutely. Um, teaching fundamentals, uh, adding little wrinkles into our game. Um, you know, I, I just, I have, you know, I coached against him, you know, when I was a defense coordinator at Grayson and I know what a great play caller he is. And, and uh, I've, you know, I always, I, you know, I tell young coaches this all the time, never burn bridges. Don't take things so personal when you're competing against other staffs. And um, I, I really felt like, you know, I, I try to build relationships with other coaches and, and uh, Coach Walford and I were able to, to, you know, have a good friendship over these years. And it just worked out where, you know, he, um, he was available and, and needed a break from being a head coach, you know, and, and just take a different role. And I presented a great opportunity for him here at Collins Hill, and uh, we were blessed to have him this year. You know, midway through the season, when you guys lose to East Coweta by, what, a touchdown, um, what was kind of the mood in the locker room at that point? Because you had, you know, won several several games up until that point. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing at that point you knew you had a really good team on your hands. So what was kind of the, the mood like after that loss and, and, you know, heading into region play right there where you're just kind of reminding the guys, like, hey, we're still a really good team. And, um, you know, that was a non-region game. We've got, you know, some huge important games coming up for region play. That loss was the best loss I've ever had as a coach in that it was a non-region game and it was a very teachable. There were so many teachable lessons to our kids, to our coaches, to me, things that, that maybe we overlooked that we should have t went over during the week. Um, mindset of, of how we prepare uh, on game day, um, you know, distractions that went on with traveling all the way down there that we need to handle differently. Um, leadership um, got stronger from that game. Our kids came together and made a commitment to, to not, you know, not allow that to ever happen again. And, um, and that they were going to make a commitment and we weren't losing again. And, um, you know, it was, it was awesome. I mean, you never know, right? You lose a game like that, and that could be a turning point in the wrong direction. Right. But that one was a turning point in the right direction from, from everything in our program. Everybody learned from it, and everybody got better. And, um, and we didn't lose again until state championship game. Right. Eight, eight wins in a row. Really impressive. And you get to face Grayson a rematch from earlier in the season. The school that you coached at for a large chunk of your career, it seemed like it just kind of all came, you know, full circle there for you, uh, reaching the state championship, but then having to play the team that you coached at and, you know, were, were a member of their family for so long. Yeah, that was um, kind of weird how that all played out. And, and uh, you know, I had no idea that um, – you know, we, we didn't have them on our schedule. They just kind of worked out that way. Right. That we put them on game three and when we played each other. And, you know, I thought that that was going to be a really good thing that we had already played them and our kids, our kids had experienced that. But, um, 
you know, just unfortunate. We, we really played bad in that first half. Um, but I'm really proud of the kids for, for how they responded at halftime and going out and playing a great second half. Now, what can you say about just especially that defense and them stepping up this year and then the season your quarterback Sam had and Travis, uh, you're going to get both of those guys back next year, um, have a lot of those guys back next year. So I know at the time you didn't want to just immediately look to the future and, and think about next season, you know, but – I'm sure, you know, the mood around Colin Silver right now is, hey, we're, we're here to stay and uh, we're going to be a force for, for next season and for many more to come. You know, I think a lot like like when you look at the East Coweta loss, um, you know, anytime, anytime you can use moments to, to grow and get better, you know, I think you've got to do that. And um, I think when you, you look at that game, from a coaching standpoint, from a you know the players, how they feel about it, uh, we've talked about it here. You know, it's 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 a motivator. It's a motivator for us to to do better and to to not let the moment get too big for us. You know, and I think a lot of that was, you know, you know these kids have never been in, in anything like that. You know, um, they had never won coming up through the GFL, they had never really, they had never really, no, none of our grade levels had been successful at all. And to put them in this moment where, you know, you find yourself in the state championship, you know, and now you're driving and you're coming up on the stadium, you know, it's different playing at Collins Hill than playing at Georgia State. Right. And the locker room looks different. You're in these nice lockers. And, you know, it, it, it reminded me of a, one of those movies, you know, that you see and you, the kids get there and they're just starstruck, you know. And we went out there and played like that. And I think the moment was just it was just too big for our, our kids. I'm not trying to make excuses. Grayson's a good football team. I'm not saying, you know, anything like that. I'm just you know, speaking about us right. and how we could have done better. And I think going forward, I think, you know, and who knows, you know, if we can do it again next year, who knows? Um, but we're going to try, we're going to try, we're going to, we're going to roll our sleeves up and, and go back to work and learn from, we're going to learn from everything that we did good and everything that we did bad and try to grow as a program. It's just make you super hungry just to get spring ball started and uh, get back out there. Yeah, we're you know we're we're kids are ready and and they're you know I, I gave everybody off uh, January just season was so long and um, but right now we're in full we're in full off season mode uh, the weight room speed and agility leadership our leadership committee is now working and you know we're we're planning and and so um we realize that spring ball is just right around the corner no doubt well coach we really can't thank you enough for hopping on and um sharing a little bit about your story and you know Collins Hill football and you know it's a program that I wish I could have had could have seen last season I, I that's the one going at school I didn't get to see I feel like that was one of the elite so next year, hopefully, I'll get to see you guys a few times. But um, really appreciate appreciate you uh, hopping on here, Coach. All right, thank you very much.
All right, all right, Coach. Well, uh, good luck to you guys in the off season and uh, spring ball, and uh, we'll have to catch up with you again sometime. All right, thank you. All right, see you, Coach. All right. I feel like we could have we could have kept talking for for hours there. I oh mean, yeah, he's he's a he's a football guy. You can tell. I mean, there's nothing like talking to a football guy like that. But. Yeah, he he had a twelve to one thirty window, and we kind of screwed up the first 10 minutes of that <laughs> trying to with some technical difficulties so um that that cost us asking a couple of extra questions i'm sure but um hey that's part of this whole thing man with these podcasts we're still rookies when it comes to this stuff <laughs> yeah and, and i mean and with with the teachers you know i mean it's, it's hard to fit in that window oh, yeah. but i mean e- either way i mean i i feel like you know his his story was so interesting that i, I feel like i mean we could have we could have kept going for you know another hour probably with him you know oh yeah every question we asked there could have been five follow-up questions right. plus for each of those so yeah he's a coach i've known about i did obviously I, I leave this interview or whatever you want to call this gaining a lot of respect for him as a coach and just learning more about him like i knew who coach gregory was i knew he was the head coach at collins hill but there's so many other things i had no idea about and i'm sure that's that probably goes for a lot of people that no collins hill no coach Gregory, but might not know that in depth. So that's just the beauty of this podcast is getting to interview people like that and get to see behind the product because there might be, you know, half of Collins Hill's fan base that had no idea about any of that stuff. And now I'm sure they knew some of it, but hopefully we kind of, uh, you know, unraveled a, a few cool stories here and there that he was able to speak on and um, just get to educate some people more on, on, who their head coach is at Collins Hill. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and, and like we already said, you know, I mean, that's, that's an interesting story. And, and so maybe, maybe some people can come away with, with knowing that and be like, Hey, wow, coach, you know, and, and also just all of these coaches, I feel like whenever they have experience at the college level, then I, I feel like that gives, you know, them something to help their players out. Obviously he's got some very talented people that are, are being recruited themselves. And so maybe, maybe, you know, a couple of them can, can hear this and, and, and know, Hey, you know, my coach has been through that also, you know, decommitting from Oregon and, and those different things that, I mean, we're seeing more and more now, you know, play out in the recruiting game and stuff. So. Yeah, I'm sure he can kind of relate to some of the kids these days that uh, go through something similar to that, where they, they think they've got their school, the coaching staff gets fired or the coaching staff leaves, you know, a month after um, they commit or whatnot. And then they have to, they all of a sudden want to switch gears. And you, you got to kind of relate to kids like that. Like, hey, they're making a decision for the next four years, four or five years of their life. You want them to, to be in a good situation. So, you know, it's interesting to see a coach or a player at the time that long ago um, go through something pretty similar where the guy that had recruited him to Oregon ends up leaving and going to Texas A&M and now all of a sudden he's kind of you know keeping his options open and ends up at BYU and turns out to be a, a really great thing for him in his career. Yeah, for sure. And and just like the whole faith part of, of what makes him like to me was super interesting. And, 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 you know, like, how do you end up at BYU if you're not, you know, necessarily in the Mormon thing or whatever? Like, I mean, that's just super interesting. And then, I mean, obviously, him giving so much credit to, you know, his faith and, and just being able to listen to that and to get in the right position. I think I think that's a huge part of his his growth and everything there. It sounds like a huge part of his story. It's interesting right. to me, but. Yeah, Collins Hill, too. I mean, that's a team to look out for next season. I mean, oh, they yeah. made it to a state championship. Would not shock me at all if they're right back in the mix for it again this year because they've got their star quarterback. He just committed to Missouri, oh, wow. I think, last week. 
Um, Travis Hunter's like the number four player in the nation going to FSU, plays yes, both sides of the ball. Yes, I know Jake's an FSU fan, so you got to be excited about that. Oh, and yeah, you yeah. didn't even really know about this kid. You need to go look up his highlights, man, because this kid can go. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely put that on the queue. Something I'm we could have we could have talked to Coach Gregory about Travis Hunter for thirty minutes straight, probably <laughs> right. just all the the craziness that comes with coaching a top five player. And it's not the first time he's coached a top five player. He coached Robert Kimdichi for crying out loud, who's yeah. the number one player in the nation. Yeah, and then you know one of the top uh, was he the number one draft pick that year? No, he ended year? up going late first round. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, okay. He went like 29th overall, and his NFL career didn't really pan out the way that. Everybody thought it might way back for, you know, some some bunch of different reasons. But, you know, you just never know what will happen. I mean, you can be the number one player in the nation and not make it in the NFL. It happens all the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think another another great addition to the podcast is sure. like we're getting good at this. We're or starting to stack you know? up some good guests and uh, putting some good stuff out there, I feel like. Yeah, 100%. And and, and with that being said, I mean, if, if, if you're listening to this and you know somebody, you know, if you – if you are, you know, wanting to hear from somebody, I mean, like we said last week or whatever, you know, let us know those names. Let us know, you know, who, who it is that you want to hear from, and, and we'll definitely do our part to, to make that happen, you know. Yeah, every, every coach, every player has a story. You know, who in a million years would have thought Coach Gregory would have had a story like that and yeah. a background like that? So there's got to be countless other coaches out there in the state of Georgia that have something similar to that. So if you know who they are, and you want us to talk to them, please reach out. Please hit that subscribe button. We gained about, what, four or five more subscribers this week. Yes, sir. Which Keep we appreciate growing. that. Um, and the more support you, you lend our way, the, the more we're going to be able to do this and, and keep exactly. taking it up to the next and next level. And so, I mean, the more support you show us, the, the better quality that's going to come from it. So no doubt. If, if you no like doubt. what you're hearing, then, you know, help us out a little bit. Yeah, the more you help us out, the more we help you out. Yes, sir. And, and 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 like I said, you know, uh, if there's something you want to know about us, is there something you want to know about Colin or I, you know, I mean, let us know in the comments. Uh, if, if you ask a question, you know, to one of us, you know, it can be anything. Ask us anything. If you drop that in the comments, we will shout you out and uh, answer your question on the next podcast, you know, during this time right here. So Right. And make sure to like us on Facebook. We're still trying to build that up. That's going to be really important. So, Go on Facebook, type in Catching Up With Chubbs, hit the like button. You can find all this stuff in the, de- in the description below with all our um, audio-only versions, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're um, everywhere, man. If, if you're in the car and you can't watch the YouTube side of it and the video side of it, just throw on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast and give us a listen there because we want to cater to anybody and everybody. Or if you just find our faces appalling, I guess. Yeah. You, you can do that too. But. Or shoot, man. If you're in the car and you want to risk it, man, and watch the YouTube video, then shoot. I'm not going to stop you, man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you, man. All right. Before we get out of here, I, and I'm I'm just totally throwing you, like throwing this at you right now, uh, like to create a new segment on the fly called Shoot Your Shot. Uh, anything that you want to throw out there, Colin, before we get out of here, uh, what is... You know, I mean, anything you just want to throw out there and 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 get almost like a clear your throat kind of segment. I know, I know, we listen to the ninety two nine the game guys, but uh, just anything you want to throw out there. And and now that I'm throwing you under the bus. I'm trying to filibuster, give you a little time to think of something. But if, if you want to go to me, then then we can do that. But well, yeah, I mean, it'll be a little late with this coming out next week. But you know, shout out to all the basketball teams that are still in the playoffs. Uh, what we're in the final four as yes, of now. Sir. I guess as of the time you're listening to this. 
the state championships will be decided. So congratulations to all the state championship teams right now or that have qualified. Uh, I love. I know I love covering basketball. You love covering basketball. You still got a team in the playoffs. So good luck to Lumpkin County. Yes, Hopefully sir. they're playing for a state title. Um, when will it be next? Uh, so so uh, they play this Friday and Saturday are the final four, and then it would be the state championships will be the next Friday. So. Okay. Yeah, so that's exactly where I was going. You know, I want to shout out my Lumpkin girls. Uh, they're, you know, still in this thing. Uh, Final Four, you know. That's it, a big it's, deal. Yeah, unprecedented as far as Lumpkin goes. Like, for my lifetime at least, we just found out that apparently, you know, back in the, the mid-50s, there was a state champion at Lumpkin. And we and we had no idea, honestly. But so, you know, in the modern era, I mean. Th- yeah, this that's is, so far back that it really doesn't even count. Yeah, yeah. Like in, in the modern era of things, uh, I mean, this is just crazy. I mean, we've talked, you know, the past few weeks about, you know, with these coaches about changing the culture. And, and that's one thing for sure David Douse has, has definitely done. You know, I, I mean, you heard Kyle Sandy talk about that on one of our first episodes and everything. And, and so I wanted to just shout out those, you know, those girls that, uh, I mean, hopefully by the time we, I mean, they play, we're recording this on Thursday, they play tomorrow night. And so, you know, by the time that you're hearing this, I mean, they'll know, and hopefully they'll be preparing for, you know, their state championship game. So. No doubt. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you uh, joining us and uh, we'll see you next week. All right.